chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, we'll be there at verse 18 and up. We're going to read through there. I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through some plenty of scriptures this morning. Uh, I think most Christians, most Christians would be amazed to find out how much the Bible does talk about the Antichrist. How much it does have to say. And this is going to be a, this is going to be a teaching as much as it is a preaching. In other words... Uh, when, you're when you're listening to this or you're following along, you're going to find out some information. I'm just going to kind of give it to you, and I'm going to show you what the Bible has to say, and we're going to put piece some stuff together. I'm here to tell you right off the bat, there's no way I could do all of this in one Sunday. So, Lord willing, if you can make it back next Sunday, we'll try to finish it off. But I'm wondering if I can make it in two Sundays. But I'm going to get all the information out there. Because the time is short and the people, the world needs to know about the Antichrist. The world needs to know what the Bible says in the end times, what's going to happen when this world dictator takes over. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. In other words, we're living in the last time. We're getting close to the end. And as ye have heard, that Antichrist, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. That's how you know we're living in the last times. The world is full of antichrists. What's an antichrist? Somebody who's against Christ. Somebody who's the anti, they're the total opposite of Jesus Christ. The world's full of, the world's full of these people. Full of people that doesn't, don't believe in Jesus Christ, don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ, don't want to hear the name of Jesus Christ. Now, they don't mind you talking about God. They'll let you talk about God this and God that and God that, this. But, hey, when it gets down to it, will they let you talk about Jesus Christ? You'll be amazed. And I've said this many times up here. You'll be amazed if you turn on TV, TV evangelists, just turn on any kind of music and say, I want to wait until they say the name Jesus Christ. You might be there for a couple of hours waiting. You'd be amazed. They'll talk about God and this, and God wants this for your life, and God wants that for your life, and God wants to bless you, and God wants to bring you prosperity, and God loves you, and God loves you. And the truth is, anything but Jesus Christ. And what you'll find out when you get to studying this old black book right here, it's all about Jesus Christ. And they're anti-Christ. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not, no doubt, have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. There's some people that claim they believe in Jesus Christ. They claim they want to be a part of the believers of Jesus Christ, the church. But it's pretty obvious once they get in here, they, start like, they don't like what this Bible says. They don't like what this Bible teaches. And they don't like what Christ teaches. So they leave out. That's verse 19. Verse 20. But ye... But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Hey, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth. He says, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He goes, I'm writing to you because you do know the truth. Verse 22, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? That's a liar. So how do you figure out the liars? If they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, that he's not the Christ, the chosen one of God, he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. That's who's the Antichrist. Somebody who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is of the Father and the only begotten one of, of the Father, Jesus Christ. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to show you a couple of these verses and then we're going to do this study. This is where the Bible mentions the Antichrist. 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Turn a couple of pages over. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. This spirit of Antichrist has been going on for 2,000 years, and the spirit of Antichrist is simply this. Don't believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. He's not the Messiah. There's many ways to God. Guys, anybody who says that is not of the right spirit. They're a spirit of Antichrist going against the Bible. And look at verse 1 of that chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything I say. Amen. How do, you, what I, how do I know if you're telling the truth or not? Pick up a Bible. 
Am I quoting the Bible? Am I showing you the Bible? Am I showing you what the Bible has to say? We, what's your final authority as a believer? Your final authority should be this book right here. And that's what happens in the world today. Christians or supposed Christians, people come along, they read their Bible, they're like, well, I don't like what that says, and they close it up and they start trying to go their own way. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Now, you got an idea of the word Antichrist and where it's used in the Bible? Now let's study this man, this wicked one, this son of this man of sin that's going to show up. And he shows up in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul's going to give us the, a description of this Antichrist. So let's turn there, guys, and this is where we're going to start. And we're going to do the study of the Antichrist, and the Bible gives us plenty of details. We're going to start here. We're going to be in the book of Revelation. We're going to go back to the book of Daniel. We're going to be all over the Bible. And you're going to be amazed how much the Bible does talk about the Antichrist. You might be surprised what some of our political leaders have been doing the last 10 to 20 years. It's right in line with what the Antichrist is said to do. This world leader that's going to come in and control the world. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to start there at verse 1. I'm going to give you time to turn to it, and while you're turning to it, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbly, Lord God, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. I pray, Father, for wisdom, Lord, and I pray your Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us this morning into all truth, Lord. We want to know the truth, Lord. Help us to reveal this wicked one, Lord, the Antichrist, Lord God. Help us to understand what he's going to look like, what he's going to do, how he's going to act. Lord, just help us, Lord, to, to, and this stuff is not hidden from us, Lord. It's in your book, Lord. We just need it to be gleaned out of there. And, Father, help us to understand it. And, Father, I do pray a special blessing on these people that came out this morning, Lord God. They could be anywhere else but here, Lord, but they came out here to hear your word. Lord, I pray you give it to them, Lord. I pray you bless them, Lord, and I thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So, at the end of this sermon, I'm going to give an invitation. I, give an, I try to give an invitation every Sunday. Give an invitation on some Wednesdays. And what that invitation is, if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this will give you an opportunity. And this invitation we're going to give is just an invitation to come down and receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, so you can know that whenever you take your last breath or when Jesus Christ comes back to rapture the church, you'll be with us and you'll get to go. Without Jesus Christ, you're on your own. And this invitation I'm going to give at the end of these services is not an invitation to come join this church. You don't have to be a part of Indian Gap Baptist. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to, all it is is come down and to say, I want to take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What does that do for you? That gets you saved. That's how I'm here this morning. I got saved when I was about 17. I walked down the church aisle, aisle of a church. I walked down and put my hand in a pastor's hand. I said, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. Do you know you're a sinner? Yeah, I know I'm a sinner. Do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He goes, well, then, then let's bow our head and let's pray. And he asked me to pray. And I prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner. Will you please save me? I was saved. This weight was lifted off of me. Now, have I been perfect? No. I've been a horrible Christian. I've been a horrible person. There's a lot, lot, lot better people than me around. But I know one thing about me. I'm going to heaven. That's a good feeling. That's a real good feeling. Especially in the day and age we're living in now. You do know it's not going to get any better. You know how many people come to me and say, Man, I, I can't wait to get out of here. Out of this world. I can't stand it. You know why they say that? Because they know it's only going to get worse from here. <laughs> it only gets worse Nothing, things don't get cheaper. The government doesn't give up power. When the government takes power, they keep the power. Guys, we have, we're living in the best country in the world, amen? We're living in, we live in, in the USA. We, we, we proudly have a flag here in the church. We have a Christian flag over here, and we have a United States of America flag right there. But this country is the best country in the world. And it's shot. It's doomed. That should warn you. Here, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Our gathering together unto Him. What's he mean by that? He means the rapture when Jesus Christ comes back. What the Bible teaches, and I'm going to preach on this sooner than later. I'm going to preach on the rapture, but the, the simple truth of the rapture is this. Jesus Christ is going to come back to the clouds. He's not going to come all the way back to the earth. He's going to come back. 
Just come down, descend about cloud level, and then it's going to be a shout, and it's going to say, come up hither. And those bodies that are laying in the graves, the, the, the souls that Christ brings back with them, because they're up in heaven with Him, those souls are going to go in and be with those bodies that rise up out of the graves of the saved. And us that are saved, that are alive, will be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye, and we'll go up together with the dead in Christ, and we'll go up together to be with Jesus Christ forever. That's a rapture. Why, is, why did Christ come down and rapture out the church? Because he pulls out the church, his beloved, his bride. He pulls her out, and in God's wrath, it's going to be poured, poured out on mankind. That's Revelation chapter 6, and I'm going to read that for you this morning. Revelation 6 all the way to Revelation 19. And then in Revelation 19, it says the bride, the church, is married to Jesus Christ. There's a big marriage ceremony up in heaven. And after that marriage ceremony, the Bible says Jesus Christ gets up on a white horse and he's going to come back down to this earth and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And he's going to get back what belongs to him. And he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. And we as a, as a church, we're going to get on white horses we're going to follow Christ down on here. And then that's a battle of Armageddon. But first, the church has to be raptured out so God can pour his wrath out on the ones that are left. That's where the Antichrist is ruling. That's what we're talking about here. Verse 2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. He says, now somebody's, don't be, somebody's telling y'all that Christ has already come, that the rapture's already happened. He said, don't believe none of that. None of that's happened yet. Verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the day when Christ comes back the second time, like I told you, on the white horse. That's the second coming. That's that day he's talking about. Let no man deceive you by any means, verse 3. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. There has to be a falling away. Can you see the falling away, brothers and sisters? Amen. Amen. If you have any kind of sense, you can see the falling away in the churches where the churches are falling away. Less and less people go to church. Less and less people care about God. Less and less people talk about Jesus Christ. And the churches that are, are, are open, man, they're not worth even going to, amen? They're not preaching the Word of God. They're not putting their faith in Jesus Christ. It's like a social gathering. There has been a great falling away. I love church history. And me and Brother Quig, we talk about church history some. I, 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 I love talking about the old-timers. Dwight L. Moody, Billy Sunday, uh, even Dr. Ruckman, I, can, I consider him an old-timer. Dwight L. Moody, some of these guys that were in the 50s, they would roll over in their graves if they seen what was going on in the churches today. They would literally roll over in their graves if they could see what was going on in the churches today. Nobody cares about God. Nobody cares about church. Nobody cares about you. There's been a great falling away. Now, obviously, praise the Lord, I'm not talking about y'all. So I'm not stepping on anybody's toes because you came up here this morning, right? You care. You care enough to say, I want to know the truth. I want to know more about Jesus Christ. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Now let's talk about it. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Perdition is the word used for destruction. Now what's interesting, the Antichrist there is called the man of sin, the son of perdition. What makes that interesting? There's only... Two people in your whole Bible, and that's a pretty big book, amen. There's only two men in your whole Bible called the son of perdition. One of them is right there, the Antichrist. Do y'all know who the second one is? Turn to John chapter 17. Keep your hand here, but turn to the Gospel of John chapter 17. I'll show you. There's only two people in the whole Bible called the son of perdition. And this is important to understand the Antichrist. Turn to John chapter 17. Look at verse 12. John chapter 17, verse 12. Now this is the real Lord's Prayer. John 17 is when the Lord Jesus Christ, before He took to be crucified, He's praying to the Father. And He's praying with the, with the disciples. He's praying up to the Father. And He's asking the Father to bless the disciples. He's saying, hey, I've kept them. They're, they're, they're going to do your work for you. And Christ goes on to say this in verse 12. While I was with them in the world, Christ, of course, is talking to the Father, God the Father. I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost. Guys, when Christ saves you, you're saved. He's not going to lose you. 
Amen. That's a blessing to know when He saves you, He's not going to lose you. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Who is that? That's Judas. The one that goes on to betray, betray Jesus Christ, that's Judas Iscariot. So the only two people in the Bible called the son of perdition is number one, the Antichrist, and here you're reading it, Jesus Christ calling Judas the son of perdition. Judas is a strange, strange character. Why do you say that, Brother Keegan? Because Jesus Christ goes on to call him even worse than this. Look at, Ju- look at John, the same book, look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Look at verse 70. Judas was a strange character. The one that betrayed Jesus Christ, Je- Judas was a strange character. You know who else betrayed Jesus Christ? Peter. He denied him. He could have went right up there with him and helped him and tried to fight. He denied him. But Judas was really weird. And you'll see this stuff come out. And Christ goes on. Look at John chapter 6, verse 70. We're talking about the Antichrist. We're talking about Judas Iscariot. Look at verse 70. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Wow. He said, Hey, I chose you twelve, and one of you is a devil. How would you like that if Jesus Christ said, Hey, one of you is a devil? Like, whoa. Who is he talking about? Look at verse 71. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for, it was, it, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Christ calls Judas Iscariot a devil. Right there, black and white. You've seen it. Okay, back in Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So keep, I'm, I'm setting this up. I'm, 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 I'm laying some foundation here to let you know that the Antichrist and Judas Iscariot are tied together somehow. All right, so back in verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. I'm giving you time because I really encourage you all to follow along if you can. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 4. Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Wow. Or that is worship, so that he as God, woo, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this Antichrist is going to show up, this man of sin, this son of perdition. He's going to show up and he's going to say, I'm God, worship me. You can't worship any other gods. You must worship me. And it says there something very interesting in verse 4. It says, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. So another fact, another truth about the Antichrist that you need to know there must be. For him to sit in the temple, the truth is there's no temple right now. There's no temple for the Antichrist to sit in. There must be a temple. Well, where's the temple, where's the temple at? Oh, the Jews, they want to build a temple. They've got all the stuff together to build a temple. Well, why, can't, why don't they build it? Because it's up there on the Wailing Wall. You ever seen the Wailing Wall? It's up there on the Temple Mount. Well, why don't they build it up there? The Muslims control it. Why don't they just go ahead and build it anyway? (laughs) You ever seen what happens when you make a Muslim mad? They don't just cut you off their Christmas list. They cut your head off. They blow themselves up. See, the Jews, they got back that Temple Mount. But they backed off. In the Six-Day War, they backed off. Now, they control it, and the Muslims, are, they, they control who can get up there, and they don't want to make the Muslims mad, so Christians are not even allowed up there. You can't even get up there. So up on top of that mount in Jerusalem, where the temple should be built, there's the Dome of the Rock, where they, where they claim Muhammad in a dream left off the rock. And they got this temple built. It's a gold. If you ever look at pictures of, of Jerusalem, modern-day pictures of Jerusalem, you see this golden dome out the middle of everywhere, that's the Dome of the Rock. That's Muslims. That's right, right next to it is where the temple should be built. That tells you right there the prophecy is there must be a temple built. See, 60 years ago, seven, no, 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 80 years ago, 80 years ago to 100 years ago, there was a university professors and they'd say, see, the Bible's not true because Israel is not a nation. 
And for all of this stuff to take place, Israel has to be a nation, there has to be a temple rebuilt, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what happened in 1948? <laughs> the, 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 the professors are saying, see, the Bible's false, the Bible's not real, you can't believe the Bible because it says there has to be a nation of Israel. Guess what happened in 1948? There was a nation of Israel in one day, just like the prophecy said. And one day, who's heard of a nation being born at once? Nobody except for Israel. Praise the Lord! That's why you can believe this book. That's why I'm putting such importance on this book because of the prophecy shows you this book is true. It's not written just by man's hands. It's written by God's hand through the Holy Spirit using man. So the prophecy comes true. 1948, Israel becomes a nation. I remember talking to a pastor. He said, man, when that took place in 1948, he said, man, all my pastor friends, we went completely, absolutely nuts. <laughs> it's like they're preaching on the second coming of Christ every Sunday. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Because they knew the Bible enough to know, hey, if Israel's a nation again, then God's about to do something. Here we are 70 years later, and God hasn't done much. But he has been doing something. He's been working behind the scenes. He's been working. He's been working behind it. And during that 70 years, the Jews, they went all over the world. They're gathering up gold, and they're making all that stuff to get ready to build a temple. They even went down to San Angelo, Texas, and bought a red heifer that they needed. They needed a pure, spotless red heifer to sacrifice on that temple mount whenever they get the temple ready. They even are looking for the lost Ark of the Covenant. You heard of the movie Indiana Jones? And the raiders of the lost ark, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the lost ark. They want that. So there must be a third temple built. But here's the, here's the truth that you need to understand about this. Because in your mind, you might be thinking, man, it'll take them years that we have to build this. They can do it in 24 hours. Because the true tabernacle that was, a, that was given to Moses by God could be erected. It's just a tent. It's about the size of this building here. And it's, only, it's a tent. And it just is a tent. It's got a curtain about right where I'm standing. And back here would be the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant would be. Now, there's some people who speculate the Jews already have the Ark. They're just hiding it out. They found it. They're just not letting anybody know. In other words, when they get ready, they get ready to build that temple. They can have it built in 24 hours. The reason why they don't is because the Muslims won't let them. Somebody, and that somebody's name is the Antichrist, has got to come in. He's got to make a peace agreement. And we're going to study this together. He's got to make a peace agreement. So the Muslims and the Jews can all get along. Muslims have the Dome of the Rock, and the Jews can have their temple at the sa on the same mount, and everybody can get along. And how impossible does that sound? It sounds totally impossible, amen? Do you know that every nation around Israel's main job, that what they want to do, Iran especially says they just want to take Israel, and they want to kill every one of them and push them off in the ocean? That's the Iranian president, the leader of Iran. That's what he says. So how are they ever going to get along? It sounds impossible. Jesus Christ said it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Amen? It might seem impossible now, but wait. I'll show you how it could be possible. So there must be a third temple built. And he's going to be as God sit in that temple. He's going to go in that temple's built. He's going to sit in that temple and he's going to say, I'm God, worship me. And we're going to read about if you don't worship him, he's going to kill you. Can you imagine, have you ever thought about this? Somebody sends their son and says, you know what, you're a sinner, you deserve hell, you're damned and doomed. I'm going to send my son and he's going to die and be beat and whipped and beat to an inch of his life. And he's going to be hung and crucified, one of the worst ways to die. He's going to be crucified. He's going to shed his blood for your sins so you can get into heaven. And he's going to make, that payment's going to be for your sins. And, 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 and I do all of that for you, and then you turn around and say, hey, I don't want your son's blood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a goat or a bull, and I'm going to start sacrificing. You don't think God's going to get mad about that? Yeah. They're thumbing their nose up at God's ultimate sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's not going to be happy about that. Verse 5, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And, know you, and now you know that withholdeth, excuse me, now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So first let's address the word letteth. Letteth means to hinder. So it's saying now hindereth will hinder. You say, well that's an old archaic word. Yeah, we don't use that word a lot. But in tennis, they use it every day. 
Anybody who's played tennis in here? I think, Wade, you played tennis at school and everything. I played tennis when I was in school. You'd hit, when you hit the ball, and if it hit that net, when you're serving the ball and it hits that net, you're supposed to yell out, let. That word means hindered. The, the, the ball was hindered by the net. So we use that word every day, but that's what that word means. So he's saying there, something's hindering. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Two ways to look at this. That mystery of iniquity, verse 7, doth already work. So we know it's already working in Paul's time. It's working today. It says, only he, which would be the mystery of iniquity, who now letteth, who hinders, until he, the mystery of iniquity, be taken out of the way. What we're going to find out in our studies, and we're going to kind of jump ahead real quick. The Antichrist is going to rise up. He's going to be a politician. He's going to have great power. He's going to be bringing up peace agreements. Somebody's going to assassinate the Antichrist. He's going to get it. And then when he's laid out, he's going to resurrect. And when the Antichrist resurrects, that's when he's going to be the devil incarnate and all hell is going to break loose. I don't know any other way to put it. All H-E-L-L, hell, is going to break loose. So what this verse is implying is only he, the man of sin, before he's assassinated, who now letteth will let, he's hindering it, until he be taken out of the way. After that assassination, then that's when the full mystery of iniquity comes in. And then verse 8, and then... When all that happens, and then shall that wicked be revealed. See that capital W? That's a title. That wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's Revelation 19. Jesus Christ is going to destroy the Antichrist. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. One of the wonderful things that this, wonderful in the sense of wonder, that the things that the Antichrist is going to do is he's going to, have, he's going to be able to heal people. He's going to be able to do signs. He's going to bring fire down from heaven. He's going to be able to do all these wonderful miracles in front of people. He's going to be able to deceive everybody. You know who else, who could, you know who else could do power and signs and lying wonders? Judas. You realize Jesus called Judas a devil, said he was a son of perdition, but Judas did all the wonders. He did all the signs. Judas was going along, he could heal people, he could cast out devils. Judas was doing all of that. And Jesus said he was a, he was a devil, he's a son of perdition. Makes you wonder. Judas and the Antichrist guys are like this in Scripture. They're tied together. There's something about them. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that you might be saved? Amen. If you haven't, this is what you got to look forward to right here. You got to work, you get to look, you, what you got to look forward to is this wicked man, son of the man of sin, stepping in and trying to rule and control you and make you worship him. Verse 4, he's going to make you worship him. He's going to make you call him God. And if you don't call the Antichrist God, well, what is he going to do then? He's going to cut your head off. He's going to kill you. That's what's going to happen. And I'll give you those verses. It's coming, guys. All this is coming. But verse 11 says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So at this time when the Antichrist rises up, right when the Antichrist is about to rise up, in this time of the Antichrist, it says God's going to send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie. God sends it. Why is God sending it? Look at verse 12. This God, God loves you, God loves you, that they all might be damned. So there's, guys, God can only put up with so much. And then it's going to be it. God does love you through Jesus Christ. God does want you to come to Him through Jesus Christ. But there's going to come a time when God gets about with it up to here. He's going to tell Jesus Christ, go get your people. And He's going to come down and Jesus Christ is going to rapture us out of here. Those that are dead in Christ, their souls will come back. Go go up with us. We'll go up with Jesus Christ. And then God says, I'm done with it. Send them the strong delusion that they might be alive. Why, why does He want them to believe a lie? That they might be damned? You see that? I didn't write that in your Bible. It's in there. That's the God that Joel Osteen is going to tell everybody this morning. God loves you and he always will love you. There's come a time when he won't. God's wrath's going to be poured out on this. I, I'm here not to hurt you. I'm not here to bring fear to you. I'm here to give you hope in Jesus Christ. 
Because there is danger. There is fire. There's fire below us. Amen. There's fire in hell. But there's a way out. And that way out is through Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm here. I'm giving you good news. Yeah, there's bad news. The bad news is this world is damned. And anybody with any common sense looking at like the way this world is run say, yeah, this world is damned. And it's only going to get worse. Well, here's the good news. You want out of this world? Yeah, I want out of here. You need Jesus Christ. So verse 1, he'll come and gather you with him. Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. You either can have verse 1 or you can have verse 12. That they all might be damned. It's your choice. See, this is a scary thing. I can preach it. I can give it to you. I can show you the truth. You can see the prophecy. You might even start believing all this. But there's one step you've got to take. You've got to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I can't do it for you. I can't. I would. I would. I would, take, I would receive Jesus Christ for every one of you because I want to see every one of you up in heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to see my mom that's went on before me. I've got so many loved ones. I've been burying a lot of people lately that I love. I've been burying a lot of people that I love. And thank God the people I've been burying know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I know when I, was buried, when I buried them and I was preaching over their casket, I knew one day I'd get to see them again. Not because of anything I do, not anything they did, but because of Jesus Christ. He did it all. And we simply just received that free gift. I'll take that. God's offering it to you. In verse 1, it's there. You just need to receive it. They should all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Just, you don't want to believe in Jesus Christ? I thought it said you've got to believe in the truth. You do have to believe in the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's truth. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. God says there that he's going to send them a strong delusion. Now, y'all know how I feel about this. I believe, and it's just a might. I don't know this 100%, but I believe that strong delusion is that there's going to be visitors from outer, outer space. There's going to be alien visitors from outer space come down, and I believe that's how the Antichrist is going to present himself. I believe the Antichrist is going to come down as an alien. He's not an alien. It's a fallen angel. He's going to come down as an alien. He's going to come out of this mothership, this spaceship, and he's going to come down out of this mothership, and he's going to say, I am here to give you all truth. I'm here to save you. He's going to come out as a Messiah. Y'all need to hear from me. You need to believe in me. And he's going to bring great peace. He's going to have all the answers because he's not white. He's not black. He's not Catholic. He's not Protestant. He's not a Muslim. He's not a Buddhist. He's an alien. He's got the truth. And one of the things he's going to tell you is, I, years ago, my race, we planted y'all here. We seeded you. So y'all would grow and evolve. And now y'all have evolved and y'all went the wrong way. And I'm going to straighten you out and I'll show you how you should be. Oh, oh, he has all the answers. He's a man of sin. And the Bible says God's going to send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie. I believe that's the lie they're going to believe. Revelation chapter 6. Let's look more about the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 6. So what's the context of this? Here's the context. I'm going to keep you from having to go home and read your Bible. John is raptured out. John, Revelation chapter 4, the one who wrote the gospel of John, he's raptured out and he sees the great throne of God. He sees all these weird things going on around the throne of God. And while he's looking at the throne of God, there's a sealed book that's brought out. It has seven seals on it. And John starts weeping because he said, there's no man on earth or under the earth that can open up this seven sealed book. But out of the throne comes a lamb looking like he had been slain. A bloody lamb. And this lamb comes out of the throne of God and he takes the book. And he's the only one worthy to open the book. That's Jesus Christ. And when you're looking at Revelation chapter 6, he starts opening up the seals. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ takes this scroll. It's like a rolled up piece of paper. And every time it rolls, they put a seal on it. That'd be one. Roll it again. Two, three, four, five. He's, it's rolled. So when he's unrolling this seal, when he's unrolling this seal... Then the seal is breaking, and then you're, you're going to get the description of what happens in Revelation chapter 6. This is the four horsemen. The famous four horsemen of the apocalypse. This is what you're reading. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. 
And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, that's the Lamb, of course, being Jesus Christ, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. You know, Johnny Cash has a song about this. Have y'all ever heard that? When the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Anybody heard that? Anybody listen to Johnny Cash? He has a song called When the Man Comes Around. And he, he quotes that verse right there. He's talking about Jesus Christ coming back in that, in that song. But these four beasts are saying, they, say, they tell John, and these four beasts were around the throne of God. They say, hey, John, come look at this. Come and see. Look at verse 2. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse. This is the second horseman. That was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. What two countries can you think of that are associated with the color red? Red Russia and red China. Hmm. You know who's doing, you know who's doing war games together right now, 2,000 years later after this book was written? Russia and China. You know who's your greatest two enemies right now? Russia and China. Ain't that just kind of a coinkadink? I don't know. You believe what you want to believe. I think I'll take this book. Verse 5, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and, behold, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. Now that, guys, and it says, And three measures of barley for a penny. It's like you'd work all day long for a loaf of bread. That's the equivalent of today. In other words, the, the economy just sh is shot. The economy is no good. But look what he says at the end of verse 6. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Well, that's a coincidence. What's, the, what's this world run on right now? O-I-L. Why does anybody care what happens in Afghanistan? Why don't we just go over to Afghanistan and just wipe all those idiots out? Huh? That's what I wish. Let's just go over there. Just go over there and just wipe them out. Why don't we do that? O-I-L. Who cares about that? Russia. Because they have O and they have I and they have L. Why does anybody put up with Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia? Why, why is the Saudi Arabians over in the desert driving around in Rolls Royces? You have some people driving uh, camels and others driving Rolls Royces. Why is that? O-I-L. Hell. What happens here in Texas? I, there's, there's a place out there at Lake Brownwood. It's built like a castle. Literally, y'all seen it? It's got these big old peaks. It's got these, it's, a, it's a castle, and it overlooks the lake. You know who built that? Somebody that has O-I-L. I don't know him personally, but I know the story. You know what the Bible says about that? See, thou hurt not the old I-L. This was 2,000 years ago, brothers and sisters. You know what I know what's happening in Texas? I can't speak for the rest of the country because I could care less what happens in the rest of the United States. It could all just fall off the map. I don't care. I'm a Texan. That's where I'm going to stay and die. I'm going to die a Texan, and I'm proud to be a Texan. But I know in Texas, you know, every time I look up, you know what's opening up everywhere that I look? Everywhere I look, there's some new one of these opening up. Somebody that sells W-I-N-E. That's why I said 50, in the 50s, if the pastors could see what was going on in the churches today, they would roll over in a grave. These preachers that preach against alcohol, preach against drinking, and, and these churches today, they're drinking in the church. And you know what they're drinking? W-I-N-E. It's everywhere. So the two things that to me is everywhere... O-I-L and W-I-N-E. You know what W-I-N-I-E is associated with? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Money. It's the rich people. It's the rich people over there with their wine. Oh, we're going to have a good time today. It's us poor people are drinking beer, amen? You better not be. That's between you and the Lord, amen? I'm not. But if you're poor, that's what you're going to be drinking, amen? Malt liquor. In other words, don't hurt the rich people. 
Verse 7, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death. There's Death personified. And hell followed with him. Hell personified. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Guys, just those four seals are going to wipe out a majority of the people living on this earth in the time of the, in the, time of the Antichrist. There it is right there. The four horsemen coming up. Now let's get back down to verse 2. And we're going to close here. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, there's one or two people this could be. This could either be A, Jesus Christ, or B, the Antichrist. Now, you're going to see very little, but there are some commentators that are going to, if you picked up a book at home and you say, well, I want to study this for myself, and you looked at a commentator, you might have a commentator that might say verse 2 is Jesus Christ. The majority of commentators, and including me, and I'm about to show you why, we believe this to be the Antichrist. And here's why. Keep your hand here, but turn to Revelation 19. I'll show you. This is why I'll show you why they believe it might be Christ, and I'll show you why it's not Christ. Revelation 19. And we're going to close with this one. I've probably, probably given you too much information already. Your brain's probably about to explode this early in the morning. I love this stuff. I love studying this stuff. And I want y'all to understand it. I want y'all to get it. And if you don't understand it, you got a question, catch me after church. I'll, or call me at home or whatever, and I'll talk to you about it. I love this stuff. But I want you to get the truth. Revelation 19, look at verse 11. This is Jesus Christ coming back. I've been describing it, and here it is. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful, capital F, and True, capital T. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. That's obviously Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. So now you have commentators that look at Revelation 6 and say, that guy, when the seal is open, it's a white horse. Well, here's the problem with that. First problem is, Jesus Christ is the one that's opening up the seal. He's the one opening the seal. He's not the one that's on the white horse in Revelation 6. This is obviously Jesus Christ on a white horse, Revelation 19. It tells you it is. Verse 12, his eyes were as flame of fire. This is Revelation 19, 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. It says there in verse 12 that he had many crowns. This one here that shows up in Revelation 6, he's on a white horse. He has a crown that was given unto him. He didn't earn it, just given to him. Christ has many crowns. Why does Christ have many crowns? Because he's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Amen. Let's see another thing about this man on Revelation 19. Verse 13, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's why the Bible's so important. And the armies which are in heaven followed him, that's me and you, upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, we're following Christ. Come back to get what belongs to us. Verse 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with the rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Yeah, God loves you right up into there. He's squishing you like a grape. So this, when Christ comes back, he's got a sword. This one that's on a white horse in Revelation chapter 6 has got a bow. They're two different people. The one you're reading about in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, that's the Antichrist. Here's something very interesting about that. It says there that he had a bow. It doesn't mention the arrows. That speaks to political power. In other words, it's false power. He's not, he's not powerful, but he's got political power to rule and reign and to cause wars and to keep people from doing what they want to do. He has a bow. He's a sign of a, sign of a bowman. Y'all know what the sign of a bowman is? It says he has a bow. The, the universal sign of a bowman, I'm about to give it to you, is this. The, now listen to me. Look at this. The universal sign of a bowman is this right here. You take your two fingers and you, you go like this. Why is that the sign of a bowman? Because this is what a bowman does before he lets it go. It's the sign of a bowman. Y'all seen this before? 
Think about it. Have you ever seen the Pope do this? He'll stand up on that balcony and he'll have both the fingers. And he'll have two fingers up and he'll have them bent like this. They'll paint the pictures of Christ. They'll paint the disciples. They'll paint the apostles. And they'll have them doing this. Two fingers up, two of them bent. The sign of a bowman. It's a sign of the Antichrist. The sign of the bowman. It's a sign of the Antichrist. Y'all, y'all think about this stuff. Think about it. Think. I mean, meditate on it. Think about it. You're, you're, listen, okay. I know this is going to blow your mind. You're the Pope. We're going to send Gary up there and say, Gary, we love you, brother. We want you to be the Pope. So we send him up to Rome Vatican, and we're watching TV, and we're like, there's Gary, there he comes. And here comes Gary, and they've dressed him up in a white robe. They put a big old fish hat on his head. And here comes Gary out on the balcony, and we're all cheering. Hey, I know that guy. I've been around that guy. I've talked to the Pope. There he is. And Gary comes out. Think about this. And all the people are cheering and chanting. Oh, they're so excited to see the Pope. How would Gary wave? I, I don't think Gary would do this. Do you? I've never seen Gary do that. I know how we would do it, amen, brother. I know you'd give him that old Forrest Gump wave. Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> amen! Think about this. Think about Why would you do that? Who does that? Who naturally goes like this? Unless you're trying to give the sign of a bowman. In the sign of the bowman, he comes on a white horse with a bow. Jesus Christ said so many times through the Gospels, He that has eyes to see, let him see. In other words, it's right there, brothers and sisters. You're just not opening your eyes. Oh, I'm looking, Brother Keegan. Yeah, you're looking, but you're not looking. It's everywhere. The sign of the bowman. And what was he sent forth to do? To conquer and to be conquering. Stick with me next Sunday, Lord willing, and the Lord don't come back, and I sure hope he does. I hope he comes back and the Lord can just give us this study up there. We can watch it from heaven as it takes place. Next Sunday, we're going to get into this just a little deeper. And we're going to end Revelation 13. We're going to see the beast rise up. We're going to see the Antichrist. We're going to see him get assassinated. We're going to see the, the whore that rides the beast. We're going to study all this together. And we're going to find out a little bit more and a little bit more about the Antichrist. And by the end, you'll know what to look for. And you'll know who's... Because when people say, the Obama's the Antichrist, I would tell them, you know who's the real Antichrist? Bush. George W. And people be like, W? <laughs> yeah. According to the Word of God, he was more of an antichrist than Obama. You say, Keegan, you're crazy. I'll give you the verse, and when I get done, you'll say, yep, I believe that George W. Bush was more of an antichrist than Obama. Does that hurt some of y'all's feelings? Shouldn't be. should tell you that this book goes against everything you're seeing on TV that they're trying to shove down your throat. <laughs> Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.